0: This week on Full Time Roundup is Eddie Howe on the hot seat. Byron Escape, another Bellingham game winner. Is the Roma Mourinho romance coming to an end? And Matt gives his honest Chelsea thoughts. We discuss all this and so much more. Here we go. Welcome into the Full Time Roundup. My name is Matt Gesselin. As always with you here, Daniel Brackett. Daniel, welcome to Smelly Cat on a Monday afternoon uh recovering from the weekend's games first of all as always pleasure to have you pleasure to be with you talking to european football and what are we wearing today
1: absolutely good to see you matt thank god we had a long weekend this weekend much needed much needed so today i am rocking the sevilla third kit from last year um funny story about this i actually got this at the sevilla store in seville spain Um, i backpacked to europe after i graduated college and i just happened to just barely catching one European game. Um, they played Athletic Bilbao, and I got uh, Ivan Rakitic on the back as one of my favorite players. Well, they
0: might not be in La Liga for much longer after the start, so glad you got to do that when you did. Uh, I am wearing a, a French kit. A um, little story about this one. It's, a, it's an older one, 2016. Got a little bit um overzealous uh, with uh, with the last World Cup and waited thinking that we might have three stars on ours um, but this only has one so I will be purchasing a two-star kit here shortly but love this kit um, of course like I mentioned before in the pod dad being French so uh, allez le bleu as we would say
1: le bleu. and uh, that I believe you guys won the euros in that kit isn't? correct okay. yep yep cool. and that was against who was that against, Ronaldo? No, Michigan? Ronaldo beat us. In okay. the port,
0: that was when they won in 2016, and then we won before that. Um, oh, my mind's going blank. I'll have to remember and look it up. But, yeah, uh, kit that we won the Euros okay. in as well. Yeah, yeah I
1: recognize yep. it, so I wanted to make sure.
0: Well, Daniel, it's been a exciting last couple of days in the Premier League um, as we always start off there. Of course, Manchester City putting up five, five spot against, uh, you know, a, a lowly – squad let's it's just put it that tired way fold, yeah for tired sure. for um, is there really anyone else I, I don't want to go too much into city there's a lot to un- unpack there I think everyone knows what's going on with that squad is there another team right now from what we saw this weekend four weeks into the season that can give city a run at this point I think
1: there there's two I mean you ask a you asked a really solid question here there's two teams I think Liverpool with the recent additions are definitely going to gonna be up there and then Arsenal if they can continue to get it done. They keep leaving it late. Um, they they love the, they love a stoppage time goal, but uh, I think those are the two challengers, the city to kind of dethrone them from the Premier League. And you
0: you mentioned Liverpool, who looked really good yesterday against Aston Villa, They're three good. spot, um, not an, not an easy opponent, and you don't expect three against Villa the way that you guys did. Um, not only three, but probably could have been a lot more. Uh, Darwin Nunez, who should have had a hat trick, probably um, ended up with only an own goal essentially. Um, and again, you know, like I said, three on a Villa team looks really, really strong. Um, what were your thoughts coming out of that Newcastle performance, and then obviously rebounding or uh, extending that with this performance against Villa? Yeah, well, so I mean, Unai Emery is always a,
1: a tricky opponent, um, so we didn't, we definitely didn't underestimate them, uh, which was good. And you know, when it's the 70th minute, you're up three nil, and you're kind of coasting uh, on the pitch get some subs, get the youngsters in, that's always a good feeling, especially against a side that's good as Villa. Um, so, Shobash off the mark with a screamer from outside the box, and I mean, Tiago's not even healthy yet. This is a Tiago-less Liverpool, so I'm feeling pretty good. Our third-string and fourth-string center backs are starting today as Virgil van Dijk was suspended and Kanate's uh, still dealing with a little injury here, so, I mean, I'd be ecstatic, but Trent, we don't really know what's going on. I was going to ask what
0: the injury update was Scary. on there,
1: So don't still don't have an update yet. So if it's if it's bad, then that we I think we have a 18 or 19 year old covering for him at right back. So that's obviously concerning in terms of cover. I guess you could slide Gomez to right back, um, but we need him at center back right now. So uh, going to be interesting. That's why I'm not I'm not saying we're going to win the league. But, I, it kind of uh, sounded like that a little <laughs> bit. but uh, Maybe I'm kind of walking back that statement. We're definitely going to win the Europa League, don't get me wrong on that. Which we'll but cover in
0: later in the episode. We will cover yeah. that.
1: But, uh, I mean, a lot to, lot to look forward to this year, I think. And it's not going to be a one-horse race just yet.
0: Well, you mentioned not a one-horse race, and you also mentioned Arsenal earlier, um, a really hard-fought battle against Manchester United yesterday at the Emirates, one of those games in the Premier League that no matter what you circle on your calendar to watch, I think um, it lived up to the hype, especially the first 40 minutes, yep. kind of a little bit of a you know, natural lull in the middle portion of the game and then a, a fury at the end. So um, what were your thoughts on Arsenal and, and any thoughts on Manchester United? What, what do they present for the challengers and things like that?
1: Well, I mean, obviously, with the the big, the big matchups, you the first 15 minutes is pretty hectic. People are flying into the challenges, so it's natural that the the little middle of the match, everyone takes a deep breath and try to get gets their bearings. Now, um, I mean, I thought Arsenal dominated, and uh, I mean, literally the commentator cursed, said United has not been in this match at all yet. And next thing you know, they hit on the break and they score the first goal with Rashford. Um, so, I mean, that's that's football for you. But, um, I mean, I wouldn't freak out if I was a United fan. Um, they got, I think Arsenal were pretty fortunate at times. But, uh, I mean, also, also it's a good thing for the Gunners to show, to show their prowess, to show that they can beat the top teams and, and, and actually compete.
0: Yeah, and, and to your point, I think that's kind of what we're expecting, right? first place pretty much all year last year, yeah. fall at the end, uh, you know, some big pieces added from Arteta that everyone thought, oh, naturally just going to be title contenders and kind of excel from, from where they left off last year, not that case, um, always every year is a different year in the Prem, people come in, people can move out, yep. um, you mentioned United, a um, little worrying for United for me at this point, three, three really performances in a row you could really say four all four have been pretty poor wolves of course they steal some points there on that onana non-penalty which we'll get into here in a second as part of some of the the conversation that came out of this match um, you know uh, they went to tottenham and lost and then of course the game against forest where they needed some help again with var and then yesterday. Honestly, besides the Rashford chance that really came out against the run of play, um, didn't see much, and now you look you look at their roster and they're in some serious trouble, in my perspective, losing your two center backs and you're having to play Harry Maguire and Johnny Evans, you know, both of them, well, Johnny Evans, 30, in his mid-30s, and Harry Maguire, you know, everyone knows the troubles that he's been going through. So, you know, big concern for me is really not so much coming out of this game, but more you know, looking forward, of course, we have the international break, which can give them some chance to get a little healthier in the center back position. But um, man, does man United are just not rolling. And, and midfield was the problem. Now I think there's midfield and defense, which is even worse.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, what Luke Shaw is out, and now Lissandro Martinez went down. So those two center backs starting is is obviously very concerning. Any Premier League strikers licking their lips going up against that, and they will get exposed, I, I reckon. But, I mean, the, the biggest thing for United here is you've made some big, big signings. You, I mean, you have Sancho, you have Anthony. Anthony just doesn't do it for me. And you have a Garnatro, and thank God Garnacho came on the scene last year when they needed it most. But Martial is not going to get the goals for you. You're going to depend on, what, a 19-year-old Hoyland – to kind of bag 15 goals a season, it's – Tannock's a good coach, and he's going to figure it out, but – they they're gonna need to dip into the into the transfers on January, and it doesn't need to be the expensive signing. It needs to be the right signing.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned January. I mean, that's that, the window is closed now, right? So none of this help is really going to be able to be offset um, with a signing here. Window closed on Friday. We'll get into a lot of the signings that happened, a lot of news that happened across Europe, and um, Daniel's still a little sweating it out about Saudis, but uh, we'll get into that. Um, but yeah, you mentioned. Anthony, on the right-hand side, of course, one of the other stories that came out of this was Jayden Sancho, not even on the on the bench. Um, Eric Ten Hag coming out pre-match saying he just wasn't good enough in training. So, you know, you're really starting to get some concern here from my perspective. Two years into this project with Aaron Te- Eric Ten Hag, um, honestly, you would have expected a, a progression in the first couple of games, and it looks like the same old Manchester United, if maybe not worse than last year at this point, which is a little concerning four matches in.
1: Yeah, I mean... There's also problems with the owners. The Glazers are not the best owners. I think there's just turmoil, and they hired Ten Hag to to figure everything out, and and he can't do it all. I mean, it's the top-down mentality when it comes to a club, and so when you have people who own the club are just always in disarray, it's really hard to just, you know, focus on just the footballing aspect. So, I don't know, just... It's going to be an interesting year for Man U. They're they're still building, and I, I think United fans should just stay calm and be patient with Tin Hogs I think it will work out for them in the long run but for now let's let's stay concerned
0: yeah another team to be concerned about too as well um Newcastle United who had a really poor performance again this past weekend against Brighton we talked about both teams last episode um are Brighton for real Were Newcastle kind of just having a moment of course I mentioned Brighton just dominated this game 3-1 which really wasn't even a 3-1 um you know, Daniel, what are your thoughts on Newcastle? Is it really now time to, to worry? And and then, you know, secondarily, what are your thoughts on that Brighton performance? I mean, so you have Bruno Gimoresh,
1: Tenali, and Jolington in the midfield. You've got a solid front three and a really, really good defensively. I mean, you're, 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 you're pissing goals at this point. And is it Eddie Howe? Is he the problem? Because the squad's there, in my opinion. I, I mean, they should not be getting blown out by anyone anyone they just lost to a 10-man Liverpool last week at home and now they're in the way they lost the way they lost was bad it's I don't know I I really was expecting more from them this year um it's also early so we got to remember that but I think Eddie Howe, his seat's going to get hot quickly if he doesn't turn it around soon.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned you know Eddie Howe being on the hot seat. I think it was a conversation at the end of last year before they went on their run to get in the top four. This roster is a great roster, a lot of talent. Uh, of course, you know the, the ownership, having the money and the ambitions of this club being in the top four. They've been smart in the transfer window. They haven't made big, splashy signings, which we thought they could. Um, especially with the banking that they have. But to your point, is Eddie Howe the guy? I think it is a short leash. I think an organization with the ownership that they have is looking for that that top echelon type of team. And um, I love Eddie Howe personally. I said long ago that he should have been the manager of Chelsea after Bournemouth, um, especially after Conte. He was just that style, that fit that I think fits really well and um, is good to build a squad. Um, just It's just going to be a matter of patience at Newcastle. Uh, and they, have, of course, have Champions League now, so a lot of things going on, and, and you look at the, the performances, yes, they were three losses in a row. They arguably were the three best teams in the league right now, right? So, right. Uh, you know, that's kind of also one way to look at it as well. So I think it's still a little bit early, but, yeah, Eddie Howe has a lot to work on right now in this time.
1: Well, when you, when you back a manager, you, you make the big signings in the summer, they they want to be the top three. And when you're losing to every single one and you don't get one point off any of them, are you the manager to get the job done? When I mean, they're owned by – the out so they have fuck you money so they it will not they won't even blink twice they, they could sack him and get uh, Julian Augustman tomorrow if they wanted to and hand him a giga- gigantic contract so he's skiing
0: though so you he know he is
1: skiing well, hopefully not with Manuel Neuer but um yeah I mean just we'll see we'll see how Eddie does any thoughts on Brighton after that oh. performance I mean they they just that looked like Brighton two words Evan Ferguson the trick hero the, I think he's 19, he already, I, apparently, I don't know if this is correct, but he did say he's going to stick with the Republic of Ireland, which is big for them, because uh, usually they just get poached every single time, um, but Ferguson looked good, Matoma looks good, um, I mean, Gilmore, ex-Chelsea man, he's fitting in there nicely after after Casciato and McAllister departures. so... Brighton are going to be okay. They're a little yo-yo team. If you get a bad Brighton, it could go very poorly for them. But when they're firing on all cylinders, I mean, you're going to watch goals, goals, goals.
0: Yeah, I think this was, like I said, more what we expected from Brighton. Um, You mentioned mentioned Evan Ferguson, a hat trick for the youngster. Again, um, you mentioned also Billy Gilmore just jumping right in after losing some of those key pieces in the middle. Also added a sneaky Ansu Fati in the transfer window. So how is he going to incorporate into the squad? A lot of really good, exciting pieces there at Brighton. I think that, that performance last week, a little bit of a uh, wake-up call, I would say. And again, uh, Brighton, you know, big year ahead for, for De Zerbi and that group with European football. Um, more what I expected uh, last this week.
1: Yeah, I mean, they, they need to bounce back for sure. And they did in emphatic fashion. And, I mean, there's nothing better than going to that Brighton Stadium on a nice Saturday, what, probably 5 o'clock kickoff, somewhere around that, and you watch your team just drub Newcastle. that's best-case scenario for them.
0: Yep. And one team we haven't talked about yet on the pod or haven't put a lot of emphasis on, but they seem to be sneakily just kind of moving up the table and getting more accustomed and, and comfortable with the style of play. Um, our Spurs, Daniel, I mean, Big Ange coming in, five goals uh, yesterday or uh, Saturday. Uh, this team is, is starting to kind of put the pieces together, aren't they? We, we, we talked about it. We were, we were like, eh, I don't know. Is Spurs
1: really going to come away with, from this fixture with three points? And, I mean, a Sun Hattrick, five goals. Wow. I mean, if there's one thing that an Ange Postacoglu team is going to do, it's going to score goals. And they're definitely going to concede goals, so, so it's going to be a great watch. Um, I don't know if they can keep going and keep. I mean, they're what third right now, I yep, think. Third, so early, early third, but very yes. early third. So I don't know if they can keep. I think there is still work to be done, but I mean, you got Bintaker coming back from injury. They they are a little light at the back, which is always concerning, but I mean. They seem to kind of figure out the Richarlison thing, and playing Sun at the kind of, was it like the nine, the false nine type? So, I mean, they're figuring up their, their striker. I mean, they they had to replace a gigantic void of Terry Kane. So, I mean, that's, that's Angie's biggest thing he has to figure out this season is who's going to score the goals. And uh, when Son brings you a hat trick on what match day three four, yeah. or four, match day four, I mean that's not a that's that's not a head scratcher right there.
0: No, and I think you saw what Sonny wants to do, right, and what mm-hmm. he can do, and I think Rashar a great piece to have i think he's more of a a bench player i don't think he ever was really going to come in and and fill the void of harry kane like you mentioned i think son is that that player we've seen him do it before he can definitely put you know buckets of goals in the net for you so playing him up top makes sense to me to your point i think the biggest piece of spurs going forward they've had a lighter schedule of course united was a a tougher game but Mm -hmm. um otherwise pretty light schedule will the teams the big sides you know the the Newcastle's and the brightons and cities of the world, once they start playing those guys, will well, that back line start to be exposed a little bit more. You know, you give up two against Bournemouth, Bournemouth's not really strong, you still give up two, you do that against against City, that's a four, six spot easily. Um, you know, going forward, I think they're going to be very, Spurs, Spurs fans will be very excited about what they're watching. They're not going to be, you know, behind the ball and, and countering and very defensive and low scoring. I think you're going to get goals with this team. Um can Spurs fans be comfortable giving up three goals in a game that was going to be the question
1: well I mean we'll see you you made a good point there when they play a a Liverpool or City or an Arsenal that'll be a very good uh, measuring test to see okay where are we I mean they they don't have European football so they they're going to be well rested unlike uh, a Newcastle and a Villa who a West Ham who who has European football um so I do think like UCL is possible for them if they continue, but I, I would have never thought, Pope, is it Pape Sar and Abusuma midfield would be flourishing like it has, and I mean, I think that's credit to Ange Postecoglou and putting confidence in this team to go out and play his style of football.
0: Yeah, and I mentioned uh, Bournemouth, of course, and meant Burnley, they uh, they go into the international break with that win. Uh, coming out of the break, like you mentioned, starting to play some of those tougher teams, they will have one game against Sheffield United before they go into a pretty pretty logs, you know, back, back-to-back games. North London Derby at the Emirates, and then Ooh. against Liverpool at home, so we're really going to find out more about Spurs here before the end of September, uh, but so far, so good, and you know, I think we talked about goals and, and potentially giving up goals. One team that is having trouble scoring goals, Daniel, uh, Everton. Uh, finally got their first point, though, this past weekend. Um, Pickford made a magical set of double saves at the end just to keep that. Are we starting to really get concerned here now at this point, four weeks in? I just I just don't get it.
1: I mean, they, they have a decent squad there. I mean, you had Dan Juma up top now with the new signing Beto. You got... Onana, Ducore in the midfield, and that's solid, and uh, uh, Idrissa Gueye. Like, I, I just, I don't really get it. Um, I don't think this is a Sean Dyche problem. I think this is a, a Everton board problem, kind of like we talked yeah. about with United, just clubs in disarray. But uh, they are probably thanking themselves that there are four other clubs around them that are just as bad. So it's going to be an absolute dogfight for who can be the worst this year.
0: Yeah, Prem has been pretty poor. Uh, I tweeted about it the other day. I think this is the one year that we don't see a very strong Prem top to bottom. I think there are definitely weaker teams that will be picked on, um, including Everton, um, which is sad to say. Um, of course, one of those clubs right now, as it stands, is is my Chelsea. Um, you know, happy to get into some of those thoughts and give you perspective of what I think after four weeks. It was a, it. a tough loss uh, to Forrest, You know. 13 signings you know we talked about this and i think one of the things that the club has kind of looked at um look it's a terrible start so let's not let's not sugarcoat it let's not say what it isn't it's a terrible start i expected much more from my club i think all of us did that were fans and, and coming in and seeing poach come in and and the roster that we had the talent that's there of course you have to look at the injuries um which play a factor but every club has injuries but some of the Big pieces of ours are hurt, so you know. But one of the things that I think is getting a lot of attention, rightfully so, but also some people are missing the point. I think as well is is just the total spend, right? And when you look at a roster like that, you look at the money that Todd Bowles dished out. You know, one point almost two billion dollars in sales for purchasing players, but people also forget. You know that there also was you know $300, $400 dollars in in sales. Uh, yeah. Of players, so that kind of offsets. True. You know, I think total net spend is under a billion if you add in selling and, and buying of players. Um, that's over two windows, of course. Look, don't get me wrong, that's a ridiculous amount of money. The other thing is a lot of it, again, are players that are now hurt, but also younger players for the future. So I think there's a lot of com- you know consternation or conversation or whatever you want word you want to throw in there about what Chelsea is looking like and what they're expecting. I think also. I know I had a difficult time with this last year and I'm starting to understand now is we have to set our level of expectations a different way. You know, we we are a club that when Roman was here, first of all, let's go further back. Chelsea were never a powerhouse club and, and, you know, winning everything and, and just dominating European football like we have been in the last 20 years. That came when Roman Abramovich came in. We had, you know, moments, of course, but we weren't winning... Champions Leagues and Europeans and and Premier Leagues regularly until Roman came in. And and the way that he ran things was, it's a passion project. I love this club. I'm a billionaire. Money doesn't matter. Oh, there's something wrong? Let's throw money at it. Now Todd Bowley comes in under certain circumstances that I think factored into last year's performance for the squad. A lot of just, a lot of drama, a lot of issues that were going on at once. Doesn't help any squad with continuity and consistency. But Todd Bully is going to come in and run this squad like a business. It's not going to be a passion project. The team is going to make money for once, which we haven't done in 20 years. We're going to get younger players. And, of course, with that comes growing pains. And I think that's where we are right now. Of course, the expectations are still to win. Uh, But I said to you at the first episode, if we finish 8th or ninth this year, for me, that's a success. Uh, If we sneak into 6th, great. But I still think we're a long way away, And, and we saw that with Forrest. It was Domination, most of the games have been dominating, but lacking confidence and a forward thought. Um, and I think that's something that Poach will take his time at. He'll look at it. He has an international break and, and kind of, you know, this team will look a lot different going into the second half.
1: Yeah, I, I do. You, you mentioned one thing that I, I, I've been meaning to talk with you about, and you said young players, right? And then, therefore, I asked myself, okay, what young players? And the biggest thing with me is. You guys have the best acad, one of the best academies in the entire world. Now, you have proceeded to sell every single youngster that you had. I mean, you got a Chalaba and a Gallagher, and who's still, who's still there. But you guys have sold all the people who are the heart of Chelsea, and you've brought in these kids from all over the world. I just don't, I, I get that they're promising and they will come good at some point. Um, well, you better hope so with the eight year contracts that they're giving out. But I think that Chelsea need to have that identity in selling every single youngster that you get for FFP purposes is not the way to do that. To establish a culture. I
0: agree. Absolutely. And I think you mentioned one thing there that I wanted to touch on too is the culture, right? I think that's one of the things that Poach is going to come in and and build. You know, you mentioned, uh, the youngsters that that he's going to mold those kids now, um, You look at, for example, Liverpool, who had a bad year last year, still finished fifth. You know, you have that culture. Klopp's established that over seven years now. It's more of a a tweaking and adding a piece here and there to kind of get you guys back to where that is. But you have that mentality. You have that that understanding of who you are as a squad. You know, your core pieces are still there. We don't have that. And to your point, yes, we sold a lot of those guys, Christian Pulisic and, um, you know, Callum Hudson-Odoi face and mount, et Loft cetera, the et cetera, Loftus-Cheek. Loft you can name a whole host of players. And we can even go further back. You know, Mo Salah was a Chelsea product. De Bruyne. De Bruyne is a Chelsea. You know, so we've done this before. Um, I think now, though, like I said, it's a little different. I think this this is going to be established and, and built from the ground up. So uh, a little different for Chelsea. Of course, still going to take all the drubbing that everyone gives me at this point yep. just because we should and, they, and we're deserving of it. But... Um, a little bit muted rant for me on Chelsea today, but uh, that was my thoughts, and I, I wanted to share them for you know for the listeners. It's been four weeks of really difficult times in, in at Stamford Bridge, but um, you know darkest before the dawn, as I say.
1: Are you? Uh, I, I mean, I'm I'm coming out of this looking good, but are you worried about Casiedo? I'm
0: not. I Mistake. think it's it's still early. It's, he, he stunk. Um, the whole squad stunk, honestly. Um, but again, you know he hasn't had a really much of a preseason with everything going on jumps into the first game, has a terrible performance. Everyone puts pressure on him. Good second game that we talked about. Didn't wasn't Luton Town, of course, yeah. but still, you didn't see him. Uh, when you don't see or hear his name, Moises Caicedo, he's having a good game. Mm-hmm. So look for that. Um, but, yeah, I wouldn't put too much stock into this past game. Everyone everyone pretty much stunk on this one. Okay,
1: that's a fair point. That's a fair point. Now as we kind of pivot to Germany, had some another fantastic week of German games. Just It's been a joy to watch. Honestly, uh, first three weeks, I I don't I like German football, but this year has been the most enjoyable first couple weeks that I've watched in in a, in a while. I think um, lots so of goals lots, everywhere, lots, lots of goals. So uh, Bayern, I mean, they have this weird thing with persia Magnum Block. They always just I don't know what it is. They are they always have their number, and I was I was thinking to myself, wow, they are gonna do it again. If they score off a corner early. And Bayern do literally everything but score the goal. I mean, they hit the post, they hit the crossbar, they blew as many chances as we have hands. So I don't. I was kind of worried. And then they, at the end of the day, 18-year-old Matisse Taylor gets it done. And sometimes you need a youngster to pop up in the right moment and make a name for himself.
0: Yeah, I mean, boy, that's that statement couldn't be truer, right? Um, especially for Bayern. Uh, Jamal Musiala winning them the title last year and the that last winning goal yep. and now Matthias tell coming in and giving them three point massive three points at you know the boogie monster like you said um six times in a row they've gone to much and and struggled so they get over that hurdle of course they get handed a few other helpers along the way in the league um is this is byron kind of in position already to take this league and, and kind of dominate it you know they're Undefeated, only team in the Bundesliga to be undefeated. Similar to City, you don't want to give these guys spots uh, or points, yeah. um, and, and the teams below them have already, and that's a little concerning, you know, especially for uh, a team last year that underperformed, I would say, and still was able to get it done as, a, as champions.
1: I think that it'll be closer than people give it credit for, with teams like Leverkusen and Leipzig looking really good to start out the year, um, but I do think this is going to be the same old, same old title for for Bayern it'll be I think their 10th in a row or something close to that number which is ridiculous to think about um, so I mean they're going to keep rolling they they look better under Tuchel one of the bigger uh, stories was Kimmich is he going to be playing well this season because he had he kind of struggled last season and he had two assists for both the goals um, this week so I think he's back to his best and when he's back to his best and he's commanding the midfield and and kind of just dictating the tempo, then they're going to be
0: okay. And there was talk of Kimmich leaving at one point, so crazy to think that he's now stepped in. Um, you mentioned Bayern Leverkusen. They looked, pretty, they looked really solid this past weekend. Um, and, and, of course, the big game in the Bundesliga was uh, RB Leipzig versus Union Berlin. Mm-hmm. One-sided game. I don't think the other team realized there was a match uh, yesterday. A yeah, it kind of was a stinker. Uh, RB Leipzig absolutely dominates Union Berlin. I believe, was the final in the end. Um, Shabby Simmons is class, is he not?
1: Oh, he is just that goal he scored. I mean, the confidence this kid has was a La Masia graduate, decided to make the big move to PSG, goes on loan to PSV, not PSG, PSV, and just goes off last season. I mean, we thought this was going to be another wonder kid who couldn't find his feet, and he has proved everyone wrong, and he is looking so good. He might be the key to to Leipzig going far. I mean, you have Danny Olmo, and you you have other studs. Don't get me wrong, but I think he's going to be the heart of that team.
0: And, of course, we can't talk about the Bundesliga without uh, one of the perennial top five teams having really difficult time right now. I think some hangover after the way the season ended last season uh, and of course losing one of the best players in world football, not just on their squad in the world. Um, Daniel, what is going on with Borussia Dortmund right now?
1: I mean I thought this was the perfect spot for them
0: to get it done. I mean it's
1: on a Friday at home the fans, one of the best atmospheres in all of Europe, if not the world. Let's be honest. Yeah, that yeah. yellow wall is fantastic. That yellow wall is crazy and they go up two goals in the blink of an eye, and you're like, okay, they're going to be in cruise control the rest of the match, and things just go awry. And I mean, the referee and, and VAR did not help, and we can touch on that later. But I mean, it's just the mentality. I, I watched the first half, and it was, it was so dominant where I was like, okay, I don't, I don't know, if it could get ugly. So I, I'll, I'll switch it off, and I, I tuned in once. Heiden is it Heidenheim, something of that nature, tied it up, and they looked tired and it is week three, and they haven't played any mid midweek matches. Why are they tired? Did they not do fitness? I mean, I know they're injured, but, I mean, it was just pretty frustrating. I'm not even a fan of Dortmund. It was pretty frustrating to watch because they're trying to attack and just sloppy, sloppy passes. They couldn't connect. Holler looked bad, but they got full crew, which is a, a plus. But I just, I don't know. Terzic. I don't think he's on the hot seat yet, but he better start getting some results soon.
0: I mean, it's, it'll be interesting, Bundesliga getting tighter, uh, we mentioned it, but can, they, can these teams keep in touch with Bayern Munich, or will Bayern Munich have this wrapped up by December? As usual, we'll find out. Uh, another league that is a little bit tighter right now than expected is, is La Liga in Spain. Uh, Bayern, uh, Bayern Munich are dominant in, in Germany, and Real Madrid and Barcelona are dominant in Spain, but one of those two teams does not look like the team that we thought they would. Uh, Barcelona, Daniel, had a real, real difficult match yesterday uh, that they really should have taken care of and, and squeaked out a 2-1 winner. Well,
1: I mean, not a great start to the season, but when you have Jao Cancelo and Jao Felix come onto your team on deadline day, your team just got a whole hell of a lot better. And if they can mix in... The, the senior say Jao Cancelo Jao, I mean Jao Felix is still young but he's been he's been in football for a while now the Lewandowski presence up top Frankie De Jong they mix that in with with the La Masia graduates and Gavi Pedri's not La Masia but he's still young Yamal Balde I think they're going to be okay um I mean they got they're building depth here I don't know how they're doing it with their financial issues levers all levers all oh, pulling them all so I'm I'm actually liking them to make a run at this uh
0: this this title here over over madrid over madrid interesting of course we we touched on madrid losing vinnie jr last week um they sneak by again um against catafé who gave barcelona a pretty good match in the first week they did of course we all know who delivered jude hey jude i mean just puts the team on his back it's crazy what can what else can you say at this point
1: he just he just pops up i mean yes was the goalie just horrible spill out for ju just to kind of tap in but it's it's about being at the bear at the right time and and that's what ju did again and i mean can he keep on this run because if he keeps going he's going to win the ballon d'or
0: he may already won it <laughs> um, but yeah you mentioned right place right time i mean nine times out of 10 that keeper holds that that ball um, also had an absolute hell of a game yeah. um, so it was unfortunate that he you know makes a, a little gaff at the end but yeah I mean right place right time and he's a midfielder so he's not even a striker that should be there that's just his instinct to get to the the goal ball pops out puts it in 2-1 puts his cape back on and onto the next match
1: yeah I don't I don't know if it's the coffee with the four special shots that I think I got in this thing or just me overreacting here but you know why I think Barca is gonna go above Madrid and beat them out for the title it's because if we look at the two squads, right? On paper, they're—I would say—they're fairly equal. But you know what? Real Madrid does not have that Barca has now, depth. And I think with European football and title or fixture congestion that always happens here nowadays, I think that Barca have the depth to
0: to compete in every single trophy. And I don't think Madrid does. I do agree with you. I will counter one one word, Jude and we will see what happens. But, That's uh, Daniel, you've also been really high. I want to uh, also mention Atleti, who did not play against Sevilla uh, due to rain. So they are still, you know, up there in the against Real Madrid and Barcelona. I think that the three-team race this year should be interesting in La Liga. So keep an eye on that. One team that is in third place currently that I know you're really high on and would love to hear your thoughts is um, Girona. Can they keep this magic up? This has been a, an unbelievable story to start the season.
1: So they're, they're a pretty good story. I was, uh, I'll plug it for... So the analyst.com it's a it's a sports website, but they do a lot of soccer. And I was reading an article on Girona um, earlier this week, and so they're from their Catalan Catalan club. Um, they are a part of the the city conglomerate of, and they have they have a ton of teams. But they're, city,
0: as in city football group, just yeah, to be clear.
1: Thank you. And um, Pep Pep's brother, Pep Guardiola's brother, actually is a partial owner of this team. They play really pretty football. Um, Tiki Taka, slow build up and they've i mean they signed a couple of the Barca rejects. Um, it's half and Gerona love a Barca reject but um, they're playing really good ball. They, they got some guys and uh, I think they I, I don't know if they have the depth to compete for Europe but if they keep playing like this, I think the sky's the limit for them long term as a project. Long term.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting, really interesting squads right now. Um, If you look at La Liga table, some really strange clubs in the top, I'd say, 10 really. Uh, Cadiz, Real Betis, Alaves, Osasuna. Some really interesting teams. So yeah, uh, Girona will be an interesting one to keep on a lookout for. Moving into Italy, though, uh, the teams that we expect here are really kind of coming to the crop uh, at the top. Uh, AC Milan, Inter Milan. The the lead's going through Milan, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm i so glad Sincero's still there. They decided not to knock it down. They actually share a stadium, which is hilarious to me. But I, 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 I do genuinely think that the two Milan teams are going to be the, the two front horses in this race here. Um, well, we can start on AC Milan. I mean, Rafa Liao just – I mean, that little bike he did was just – Insane Girouds, looking like he's 27 out there instead of what 36 or something like that. So they look, they look really, really, really good. I mean, I don't know if you you kept an eye on it this summer, but Maldini left the club, and he was kind of the director. And I was, I was kind of worried for Milan because if he's leaving, and there must be something wrong, right? Where there's, there's uh, smoke, there's fire. And uh, they selling Tenali, I thought was really dumb, but. When you sell a player for that much money, and you you bring in very smart signings, then hey, you got to do what you got to do here. So, Renders, Pulisic, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, this squad has been elevated, and with Stefano Pioli, who's a, a pretty good coach, I think that they do have a legitimate chance at winning this thing.
0: Yeah, you mentioned uh, Maldini leaving. Of course, it's going to be the first time in I think. 25 plus years at a Maldini of any kind uh, is not part of the AC Milan organization, whether that's player or front office. Um, you also mentioned the signings and Tonali leaving, but also Ruben Loftus-Cheek, Christian Pulisic, uh, Munis Yusa, uh, Chikwesi, a whole bunch of guys that they added. You mentioned also the, just the financial situation. I think across the league, um, Italy is, is definitely, a, you know, Shot has some, it. has mm-hmm. some limitations in what they can do financially for all the clubs. I think that's by design a little bit as they try to strengthen that, that, that league. You saw it last year, um, Serie A have a really strong performance in Europe across the entire spectrum of Europe and Conference League, Europa League, of course, Champions League final. The two teams in the semifinal. Yep. So I think you know Serie A is on the way up. Don't don't sleep on Juventus. Uh, set third place right now. Of course, the the perennial team, Max Allegri with his roster. Although I'm not a huge fan of how Max plays and sets up his squads, but um, still a team to watch out for. Very talented. Um, had a really poor season last year, of course, with all the ins outs, point reductions back to points, point productions again, so um, an interesting dynamic there. One of the teams that we had talked about last week, uh, Daniel, which shocked us a little bit this week, uh, Napoli uh, on the road, losing to Lazio 2-1, which was pretty surprising.
1: Very surprising. I mean, we thought Lazio would be would be a top-five team, or at least I thought it would be a top-five team, and they, they've really struggled so far, and to get a huge win over Napoli is, I mean, can't, can't be better than that, and so... Are, at home, excuse at me. At home, are Napoli gonna go through a blip here, or is this just a, you know, just a bump in the road on the way to challenging for, for a title here? I mean, Ousman was quiet, Cavatelli didn't look himself, so I, I'm not gonna overreact here. I mean, it's it's two big teams in Italy playing, so anything can happen. Um, but they lose ground on the Milan teams, and maybe they look back at this game as why this is why we lost the title.
0: And We touched on Milan. Of course, they played Friday, um, winning 2-1 with Giroud and Rafael Leao scoring. The other side of that coin, though, is Roma. Um, Daniel 0-1-2 to start off the season. There have been a lot of rumblings, as I feel like is usually the case with mm-hmm. a certain manager named Jose Mourinho and his squads. Um, of course, he was suspended the first couple games after the incident in uh, Europa League final last season, or was it? Euro- yeah, Europa League final. Yeah. Um, well, the conference, conference League, league sorry. Um, is is the love fest over for Jose Mourinho at Roma?
1: Look, I, I really, I, I like Mourinho. He can be a, a bit of a, a dick at times. Let's just be honest here. But I, I do like him. He, he's a serial winner, and. I really just wanted him to, to leave Roma and, and go coach Portugal this this summer or the U.S. One of the two, and he didn't either. And now he's, I think maybe maybe regretting it. They they did they made signings. They they signed Lukaku, Hassam, Aouar. They, they they signed some guys that should elevate the squad, and they're continuing to struggle. And so, I don't. It never ends well when Mourinho leaves a club. So it's going to be interesting how this plays out should be great content for us to talk about but uh, i i could see him getting fired in the next couple of weeks if
0: they don't pick it up yeah you mentioned it never ends well everywhere he's gone i think he rubs people the wrong way and of course being the chosen one as he states himself to be a special one, one. Oh, well it's special chosen in jose's world it's all the same so it doesn't matter uh, but it will be interesting to see what happens um, you know one of the teams that he was At least talking about, to your point about in the summer was maybe PSG. Um, Of course, that project went to Luis Enrique. They looked pretty good the other day with Mbappe back and scoring four. He didn't score four; the team scored four. But Mm -hmm. Mbappe scoring two, a four-one win. Um, Thoughts on on kind of what PSG have have stabled the ship? That's two wins in a row now. Are they are they the team to beat again back in France?
1: Yeah, I mean, PSG are looking scary. Asensio is looking great. They've had a great window. They made a ton of signings, completely changed the face and the culture of the club here. Less, less st- superstars, more team players here. So they signed some youth. They got rid of Neymar and Messi, two big personalities, and, and Mbappe is going to steal the show. He signed two French compatriots with uh, Dembele and now Kolo Muani. Um, so that's it's gonna be scary. Um, I think I miss watching Louis and ball. Uh, I unfortunately don't get to watch the French league that often. But I was I was doing a little deep dive on on PSG, and I mean, this might be the, the year they actually go
0: far in the Champions League. Yeah, you mentioned the eight signings, of course. Um, Not really flashy, to be honest, compared to what we've seen in the past. So I think I mentioned it last week. Once this team becomes a team versus a collection of just really high-profile players, I think in Luis Enrique's style and and just the way he manages the squad is going to be really interesting. It, It will take some time. Um, I mentioned last week as well. I don't think they win the Champions League this year, um, but I think they make a good run um, if they get out of that group, which is we'll talk about later. But a really interesting time for PSG. Of course, Monaco on their heels. Uh, you know, the other team right behind them. Going to be a good a good race. Marseille also playing well, though they, they drew and um, dropped some points against Nantes on Friday. But uh, you know, French league will be an interesting one going forward. Um, there's also. Some interesting dynamics going on in other leagues across Europe. Some smaller leagues. We'll, we'll classify France a little bit as that smaller mm-hmm. division before, versus the top. Yeah.
1: Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. So before we, we move on, did you happen to see the uh, Lyon, the Lyon ultras yelling at the the team after the match? I did not. Oh, it was it was brutal. I mean, I'm all for fans and engaging in your team, but I mean, when you're obviously PSG was going to win this, you know, and it was four-one. It, it was ugly, but just for the team to just get absolutely berated by their fans after that kind of performance I just I don't I don't love that I I don't love that it
0: has been a pretty far fall from grace for Lyon to be fair they're bottom they are bottom right now in a a club that has been a perennial top four team um, in France for the last I'd say handful of seasons so this is an interesting dynamic and uh, of course like you said you never want to see fans berate your team and and kind of put them on blast like that but um, you know, sometimes it, you need it, it a little bit. It needs to be bit. done. Yeah, it yeah. needs to be done a little
1: bit. And uh, last but not least, you, you, you mentioned Monaco, and, and they're, they're a high-flying team, got a, got a ton of youngsters. But Taki Minamino is back to his best. We haven't seen – I mean, Taki played for Salzburg, right? He played for Salzburg before Liverpool got him. He kind of struggled, didn't get much game time, and he has started the season hot this year after a bad start – Uh, his Monaco career last year so just for me being an ex-Liverpool compatriot I'm very happy to see him flying in Monaco
0: and we mentioned this with Christian Pulisic last week is sometimes just a change of scenery is good for you another player that we've seen that with is uh, Angel Di Maria Mm -hmm. uh, who's now at Benfica in Portugal of course Benfica and Porto really along with sporting but those three clubs really the the teams in Portugal I know you've been keeping an eye on Di Maria he looks really good right now he looks
1: really good and I mean He didn't start his career per se at Benfica, but that's where he got his name from. And so, I mean, I I went to that stadium uh, when I was in Europe, and it is gigantic. It's a beautiful stadium, really cool atmosphere. I I mean, I remember Liverpool captain Virgil van Dijk was just applauding their atmosphere when when we played them in the Champions League a few years ago. Um, I think they are the team to beat, Sporting Lisbon and Benfica. Porto, all of them have lost a bunch of guys. This to the, I mean, to the big teams, because what they do, they develop youngsters and then they sell them for quadruple their value. It's players like Ugart, players like uh, Gonzalo Ramos, like players like that. So. It's hard to predict how the season's going to go when you lose your entire spine year after year after year. But I think uh, Benfica is the team to beat. Their coach is fantastic. They play beautiful football, and I'm super excited to watch them in the Champions League this year.
0: You mentioned Champions League, another team, another league that does have some tie-in with the Champions League is is the Dutch League, Eredivisie. Uh, PSV, the league favorites right now as it stands. Of course, uh, Fire Noid winning the league last season. Surprisingly. Um, surprisingly. And, of course, Ajax just having a really dismal last couple seasons. Yeah. Uh, any thoughts on, on what's going on there? Still struggling out of the gate this year as well. So usually, kind of like I said before with Benfica,
1: they, you sell your spine year after year after year. You either have to depend on your academy or you have to make good signings and they have to hit the ground running and for the last two three years they've they've had some misses some uncharacteristically misses and so i think they're just trying to figure it out i don't i mean they're gonna get top three like they always do but i ix the new Ajax, psv uh they they did su- they did sell some guys they sold sangare in the heart of their midfield and they were trying to move bakioko i think he ended up staying but they did sign the trio of Americans, Pepe, Tillman, and Dest. Pepe should hopefully uh, kind of beat De Jong out throughout the season for, for fighting for P.T. up the number nine position. But uh, PSV are putting a lot of stock into the Americans right now and it is up to them to to play well, hit the ground running in, in the Dutch league. And if they do, then PSV is going to win the league.
0: for. Welcome back to the full-time roundup. Uh, as we mentioned before the break, a couple of new things that we want to touch on. Of course, transfers will be discussed, but that will be going away, as we also mentioned earlier in the first half, that transfer window is closed. Um, so the first thing that we want to do is introduce you to a new segment that we will be touching on. It seems, Daniel, every week this comes up. Uh, If you don't know where we're going here, it's going to be the VAR, um, which we have determined an abbreviation for. Our abbreviation is for very aggressive reactions for VAR. So of course, like I mentioned, it seems like weekly this is a problem across all of Europe. Mm -hmm. Um, We saw it Friday right out of the gate. I thought we were going to have a handful of things to discuss here. We have a couple that we want to touch on real quick. Um, You mentioned the Dortmund one early. (sighs) Thoughts on that? personally I don't think Dortmund should have let it get to this as far as determining the game but I think the decision was wrong um, I think that is well first of all he was offside yep. the, the player was from uh, Hoffenheim or Hoddenheim Heidenheim Heiden- Heiden- or whatever Heiden- or it he- is one tried. of the one of the promoted teams mm-hmm. um, was offside so that should have been mitigated right out of the gate mm-hmm. it, it, it isn't um, Haller pulls him down and a penalty and, and Dortmund dropped points. Uh, thoughts on that one?
1: Yeah, I mean, excuse, excuse my French here, but uh, it's bullshit. Because we have implemented VAR to, to fix mistakes that referees make. And it has made it arguably worse. I mean, how the hell do you see that play and you don't call that off? I mean, Huller, if you just let it go and just let it run... It's offside. It's offside. And by the letter of the law, that is offside. I I could not believe that. I feel bad for Dortmund in a way because they got screwed here. But I just don't understand when, especially with a play like that, not in slow motion like a foul in the box. This is like a a very cut and dry call here. And I just cannot believe that it went against Dortmund.
0: Yeah, I'm also struggling. You mentioned the idea of VAR was to make things simpler and easier. Um, What is a handball? Um, I Who think knows? I, I think we've lost touch of what a handball was. I, from what I understood, as growing up and playing this game for 20, 30 plus years now. That situation against Luton was a handball yeah. uh, against against James Ward Prowse yeah. um, above the the silhouette of the body, as I quote it in in air quotes here. Yeah. Um, I, you you've lost me. Uh, tell me what a handball is, Daniel. I don't I know mean, anymore. Uh, the better question is, let's. I mean the definition
1: in the the rule book now is just so incredibly vague right so it used to be if it's not at in your part of your body then it's a handball now it's okay how close it's almost objective based off each handball that you get or sorry is it subjective subjective um so i just i just when you're in the heat of game and people are are shooting quickly and there's just your your hands because you're running you're not always going to be in a natural position so I mean they're just taking it case-by-case basis which means there's gonna be absolutely zero consistency here
0: I think that's the thing right we all want some consistency pick one or the other you're gonna call them or you're not gonna call them you know I think um, the refs are out there for a reason the linesmen, you know that's what they're for I've always been a fan of kind of human error yeah Um, when I look at a call and I say okay there's, a, there's an element of human error. There's always been. That's the case. There's three refs, um, four now with the fourth official, mm-hmm. and the ball moves fast. You've seen yeah. it in other sports. You've seen kind of the additional referees to kind of pick up on the pace. Um, a lot of these guys are not professionally trained or, or as shape as, as the players that are they're following and keeping an eye on. I think the average salary of a, of a, a referee is like equivalent to $80,000 a season for really? the entire season if yeah. you add it up. So, I mean – you know they're not taking this as serious. I mean they are, but they're not. They're not even remotely as close to the guys that they're competing and following. So, I think VAR was a great idea. I think the implementation's been way, way overdone. Yeah. Um, I would love to see it come back and just have some consistency. But I know that that's never going to happen. Well, there's there's
1: a couple there's a couple talking points here. Number one, who the hell would want to be a referee, especially this age with social media? People just take things way too far because they're anonymous, and I mean they just get stick. Even if it's a good call, they still get sick. I, I would not want to be a referee here. But yeah, we
0: touched on the Jose Mourinho thing and, yeah. and how that all transpired. If you haven't looked at it, it's disgusting.
1: Absolutely. So, so my my thing also with with VAR is okay. So so different leagues implement different things, right? So one of the big things for me is I don't know if you've noticed, but in, in Syria. Uh, they have the offside technology where it has the person, it's like the I don't even know how to explain it, but it's like a line and it shows instead of drawing the lines, how the Premier League, arguably the best league in the world, hasn't implemented this is nuts to me. It's it's not
0: that they haven't, they don't want to. They don't want to they've talked about it and it's they fishy. said that we are better than those than that technology, which is unbelievable. They're drawing lines here, Matt. They're it's yeah, it's, it's horrible. It's horrible. Um, we'll have a lot to touch on this segment. We'll continue to grow, I think, um, until there's consistency, which I don't think there will be. There will always be a case uh, for different situations. These are just two examples of ones that we found this past weekend. Um, there was one in the United game, I know, that we touched on briefly as far as the penalty versus Havertz or not. You know, that that's one of those ones that I think VAR is not needed for. I think that's a call on the field. If the referee makes that call, you move on, and that's that's where I draw the line exactly. On that
1: one. And, and so you make a good point there. They called it a penalty. There looks like contact on the replay. How is that clear and obvious error? I just I don't I didn't understand that. And look, I'm all for both teams sucking in that in that instance, but I just was kind of shocked that they called that one back.
0: Yeah. Like I said, we'll continue to keep an eye on this one and and keep covering different situations and and kind of potentially coming up with solutions that no one will listen to, but we'll, we'll love talking about. Um, but there was quite a bit of news this week as I mentioned earlier, transfer window closed on Friday, September 1st, at least for Europe, um, we'll get into that at the end of this segment. Um, window is still open for Saudi League till the 14th I believe is when they close, but um, Daniel what were some of your big takeaways from the, the transfers that happened before the deadline on Friday?
1: A lot of money was spent, it was hard to focus on my job because every single time I would look at my phone it was another Fabrizio here we go tweet. And so, obviously, I had some skin in the game with with waiting for Gravenberg and, and possibly some other additions that didn't happen. But that's okay. But uh, some some very some very big names here that that moved kind of last minute. So we got, I mean, Brennan Johnson from Forest the Spurs. Huge depth for them. Plays the, the winger role, but I think he could play as a as a number nine. Or is Ange gonna slot Sun at the number nine, and then you have your new winger there? I think that's a one to keep your eye on. Um, now, for Forrest, a little bit concerning. You're selling your second best goal scorer, but they did make a lot of signings on the window. And 12 signings, I think? You'd pray that one sticks yep. when it comes to the striker role. We um, mentioned Cancelo and, and Felix. I think those are going to win them the league. Um, genuinely, I think Cancelo is a fantastic player. They've been playing center backs at right backs and left backs. I, I think that he's just so quality and he. Suits that style of play perfectly. I mean, he played for Pep for, for years at City, so I, I love that. And then we mentioned on Fati. What do you any any uh, predictions here? Goal goal tally wise.
0: Goal tally wise, it's gonna. My concern for him is where does he play. Um, that roster is is of course he's a big name, um, flashy comes from Barcelona. The hype that came with him when he was. A younger player he's still young I don't even think he's 20 yet or if he has he just crossed the threshold I think he's got a concern of where to play um, so goals number you know goal contributions I'll say across all competitions I would say 15 um, which is a lot but again that's dependent on if he gets in the starting lineup um, he's a he's a winger primarily and are you gonna take Matoma off I don't think so are you gonna take Sonny Marsh off not at the moment but that's where I would slot him in if if Marsh has a little bit of a down Trend um, or down spell. So yeah, I think 15. If he gets to start, if he if he's more of a bench player, I think he's lucky if he contributes to 10 goals across all competitions.
1: Yeah, I mean 10 to 10 to 15. I feel like is the right idea to have. I mean, I think that he will get a good run in because they play European football. You have to rotate. Um, you can't just play Matoma and Solly March and uh, was it Gross Pascal Gross every single game. You do have to rotate, and he's gonna be the next man up. So. I, I think Deserby has a very, very, very good track record with young players. and Ansu went there to get his career back on track. I think long-term he will still be a Barca player, but I think he could be a key for Brian going far in the Europa League as well as continuing to push on in the Premier League.
0: Totally agree with that. And Two others that we uh, just wanted to call out was uh, Mathias Nunez, of course, going to City. Um, There was talk of Paqueta replacing him. I think Nunez is an upgrade from him, uh, from Wolves. So Pep got his guy in the middle there. Another depth player that's just going to fit right into that City lineup and and just really keep that that machine turning. Uh, The last one as well is Ronald uh, Kula-Muani, who basically forced a move from Eintracht Frankfurt to PSG that deal got done at the last minute 90 million dollar deal um, I think it's 75 up front with 15 add-ons so um, he gets his his move I think Eintracht had no choice once he kind of came out and um, demanded it went to Paris without really telling the team it was basically in Paris really? waiting for the deal to be done I did not know that. yeah so there was nice. it was it was basically it had to be done um, and then of course uh, you know there's another situation that we that we heard about uh, with uh, Polina going to Bayern Munich. Um, he was basically in Bayern, ready to sign and be done with that. Jersey medical's, on Jersey's on, medical's done. And the window closed, um, Daniel. The window in Germany closed early, which is why they were not able to get that deal done. The rest of Europe had about another five hours to go. But Germany being closed early negates that deal. So, so Polina goes back to, to Fulham. Um, after basically everything signed and done, how do you, I mean? How does how do you feel as a player when when you are expecting to move, you want to move, the team wants you, the team that you're currently playing for says okay, see ya, and now you're still back on that roster?
1: Well, it's uh, definitely going to be an awkward first day of training when he comes back. That's that's for damn sure. Now, I I actually saw a meme on Twitter. It was pretty good. You know the Simpsons meme when the guy just walks in and then walks right back out. I saw that when it came to. Paulina, I thought that was a pretty funny shout there. Now, it's not, Jao was, Polina was not only going to a team. He was going to Bayern Munich. He was going to win trophies. He was going to start, most likely, in the best team in Germany's, in, in Germany. And, and he's Arguably in the world. In the world. And play UCL ball, he, he was going to, oh, I mean, that's got to be heartbreaking. Got to be heartbreaking. And then you go back to full. Yeah. That's tough. Yeah.
0: yeah, very tough. Um, also, I mentioned it, and, and this goes back to some of the inconsistencies across Europe. What are we doing? What are we doing with different times and different window closings? Like, why, how is this so hard?
1: You, you would you would think that they'd have all uniform window closing because mostly they're doing business with each other here. Um, why they have to make it so complicated? I don't know. Uh, will it ever change? Probably not. Probably not.
0: But I we would can also, still scream about it. We can. And I, another thing, I would like to see it done, Uh, I don't know if we've ever talked about this, but lock the window before the season starts. This whole two weeks after the season's started and teams can then go, pick in any other sport, for the most part, your roster is locked in before or after spring preseason or spring training, and that's what you got, right? Yeah. And these guys can go two weeks, they can see their roster, they can then go and raid another team across Europe or other leagues. That's true. You know, I, I, and again, I get it. There's a, there's always going to be a little bit of movement. You want to have uh, you know, injuries in some cases, but you know what? I, I think you stick with what you got and you kind of make it work.
1: Yeah, I mean these last minute buys, we, you, you, you brushed on Milani, right? We, I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I, I knew Milani was going to not be a Frankfurt player at the end of this window. It's, it. I mean Milani acted on his own accord going to Paris and that's honestly unacceptable behavior, but Frankfurt had months to do this and now they sell, they, they loan out Bore, they they loan out Lindstrom, and then you sell Mulani. You just sold your front three. For, uh, Frankfurt were were a frisky team for the last couple years, and their team has just gotten destroyed. Now this is going to be great for Paxton Aronson, as a U.S. national perspective, but I mean they are going to be very bad.
0: Yeah, probably probably maybe get relegated, uh, maybe. which which you would hope not because again, Brandon Brand Aronson. Man, would that would be brutal. Go from Leeds, it goes down. Now go to Frankfurt, that goes down. I mean, well, no, no, his, his brother. Brothers, you're in. right, you're right. Apologies, apologies, yes.
1: But they're both in the Bundesliga. Yes, so correct, correct. It, it is confusing.
0: Yep. I uh, want to just touch on one little thing here before we move on. Again, um, one segment ends, another segment begins. But um, last thing in the transfer window, Daniel, I want to just touch on how much money is spent across all the leagues. Um, it's. I think it was a record $7.8 billion across all of Europe this season, yep. um, this summer, which was just an astronomical number on, on players. Uh, of course, the bulk of that comes from the Premier League, 2.4 bi- billion euros. All these are in euros, keep in mind. Uh, the next league is going to be Serie A. We touched on it briefly about you know them just kind of keeping things stable across all their teams, but they came in second with 800 million euro spend. Uh, for all their players, and this is net sell, net spend, so mm-hmm. selling and buying of all okay. players. Um, Bundesliga came in at 700 million, which is very surprising. I would equate most of that to Harry Kane going to, to Bayern Munich. Yeah. Uh, La Liga, pretty low number, which was surprising as well. 400 million. Um, that seems like a, an odd number. These all come from transfer market. Um, so keep in mind that you know they're just kind of uh, adding totals up and, and, and seeing when it comes out. And lastly, France, and a bulk of this does come from PSG's perspective, 690 million euros spent on all players. So again, just an astronomical number of money being spent on players.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, these teams are leveraging their, their TV deals and, and things of that nature. And I mean, obviously, we've seen we've seen in the past in other aspects of, of life, it all comes falling down at some point. So that's definitely concerning. And I think the the more the the fees raise, the more likely we will have a Super League and we have conglomerates like Saudi and and the Qataris kind of buying their way in to to everything. They're they're buying teams, they're buying leagues, but are they just going to make their own Super League, kind of like a Champions League format? And is that the new future of football? I sure hope not, but when greed comes into things like this it 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 doesn't work out and we've even seen that in other sports now that you would never never think to see but uh it's it's definitely a shame
0: it is and uh you know luckily we'll have some time between now and january when the next window opens so like i said Just before uh, one segment ends, which is transfer news until January. Another segment does begin, though, for us. Mm -hmm. Uh, European nights, Daniel. I think one of the things that we are so happy and thrilled about, and we touched on it about European football, are those special nights. Uh, Champions League draw, European draw, or Europa League draw, excuse me, was announced on Thursday and Friday, respectively, of this week. Um, Some great matchups that came, of course. These are the best of the best in Europe. Whether or not you know the current status of the team is that case, it's where they ended up last year. Um, group F, which is of course the group of death, if in, in Champions League, if you aren't familiar with the teams, let me just announce them for you real quick: PSG, Dortmund, Milan, and Newcastle. Good luck to those four teams.
1: And I mean, you can literally flip a coin for that. I think obviously PSG come out of the group victorious with the number one spot, but the number two spot's up for grabs. My hot take: Milan takes that. We see Eddie Howe can't even get it done against the top five team in the Prem. How are they going to beat PSG, Dortmund, and Milan? I don't see that happening.
0: It will be interesting. I think Dortmund also being a little bit slow to start, but you know you could get these matches don't start for a couple weeks, um, so you know they could kind of get a little bit of form going mm-hmm. in. Again, it's just a tough group. Um, unbelievably tough group, and to your point, Pier- Paris PSG is going to win that group, in my opinion, and then you're really looking at coin flip uh, for who's going to come second. The
1: and let's not forget the the third place, like you explained last time, gets Europa League. So one of these really good teams won't even get Europa League football, which is kind of crazy to think about here. Obviously, bad shaped out shape. Down, shape uh, if I'm, a, if I'm a Dortmund fan or a Milan fan or Newcastle, I'm just shaking my head, especially Newcastle, because they haven't seen the, a UCL night in, in a very, very long time. And to get this group and you, it could be over in a matter of three games, that's, that's pretty tough.
0: Yeah, careful what you wish for if you're a Newcastle fan. There were a lot of fans that said, bring on the big boys. We want to see them. We want to play them. Uh, well, you got them. You got the big boys, yep. and, and this is what you're going to deal with. Uh, for me, Daniel, and of course, feel free to, to add thoughts here. I think the second best group is Group D. Um, Benfica, Inter Milan, Salzburg and Real Sociedad across the board so that's a very strong group Uh, another one could be Group C, Napoli Real Madrid, Braga and Union Berlin Uh, but for me Group D is the second best group in in this uh, Champions League draw.
1: Yeah I think so I mean we we, we hit on it, Benfica and Salzburg a lot of young talent there very exciting to watch both of them Salzburg did lose their coach last kind of second so they've been doing well in the league. Now are they just going to – is a center mid or a striker going to go score and then next thing you know he's signing, playing for one of the opposing teams? That could definitely happen uh, come January. Um, I really do not know how this table will shake out. I, Inter, I think, takes this one home. But when it comes to second, Real Sociedad are no, no slouches either. So that's a very exciting group. Um, one of these teams isn't going to get Europe, or Europa League, which, which hurts because I think – they, they could all challenge Europa League.
0: Absolutely. Any, before we get into Europa League, any matchups that stand out to you across any of the groups? And again, the groups are the groups, but any particular matchup uh, that you're excited about? I think
1: PSV versus Arsenal is going to be a good one. That was um,
0: mine. That, that I, I was literally looking at that one and said, that's the matchup I just want to see and, and see what PSV has to offer. Arsenal, of course, the uh, predominant second choice in England will they be able to show up in, in Champions League and, and perform as well as we expect them to so for me uh, that's mine um, and, and you know you mentioned your other ones as well C-
1: City and Leipzig another that's, good one that'll be yep. a high flying, probably a lot of goals yep. goals in those fixtures and then the last but not least I saw one more oh Bayern absolutely probably drubbing man you should be interesting to watch
0: yeah I wouldn't want to be Man United going to the Allianz. Nope. Um, I also don't want to be Man U and having Bayern come to my place. So it's going to be a tough, tough all-around for them. Uh, I think Bayern wins that group pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Ideally, Man United, although they'll get drummed on both sides of that, I think they're the second team. Um, but, yeah. Uh, moving into Europa League, though, Daniel, this is, um, of course, there is a team in here that uh, I know that you're very interested in. How far do Liverpool go? Are you Have you already booked your ticket for the final?
1: Oh, yeah. No, I mean, it's – I don't know where – Jürgen Klopp after we lost the Champions League final against Real Madrid, he said, "Where's the where's the next final? Oh, Instant Bowl? go ahead and buy your ticket." It's the same same mentality here. Uh, when Klopp first came in his first season, we lost the Europa League in a penalty shootout. It was it was a sad moment and I think Jürgen has full intention of not only winning and going for the prem but he I think he really really wants the Europa League. Um, so I'm I'm going to enjoy that. Our group is pretty pretty easy. We got kind of lucky on this one, which is nice because as our squad's somewhat thin, got some aging talent mixed with young, exciting guys, I think that the, the young kids are going to get a lot of run-in. Players like Stefan Bastetits, Curtis Jones, Kwanzaa, Ben Doak even might get a some game time. So it should be very interesting to see if we can make a a good run early in the group and then let the kids kind of play it out.
0: And battle McAllister's, of course, with uh, yeah. with uh, with the brothers playing each other. One for Liverpool uh, and one for Toulouse. So, we um, will be an interesting matchup there. Uh, but yeah, I think Liverpool, probably the, the class right now until, of course, like you mentioned, those uh, knockout or the third place teams in Champions League come into the knockout phase for Europa. That'll be interesting to see um, how that impacts the draw. But, you know, group of death, I would say, in this group is group... Um, the group of which group is it D no B sorry Um, Ajax Marseille Brighton Athens we touched on Ajax's issues earlier but they are still one of the best teams in Europe of course notoriously Marseille and their strong start in France Brighton we touched on earlier Athens of course is always an outlier will they be one of the the tougher teams from Greece so um, those are my my two thoughts of this group anything you want to touch on in Europa League
1: uh, Leverkusen are in the Europa League, and I think they can also make a pretty good run this year. Got a pretty easy, soft group here with Karabag, Molda, and Haken. Um I think they will get first pretty easily here and kind of like I said with Liverpool, rest some guys and then really go for it once they get out of the group. So that's another interesting team to look out for. And then you mentioned the group of death here. One of those teams going out of that group is going to make a run. I don't think Ajax are gonna be that team i think it's gonna be more brighton and marseille kind of duking it out for first and second place there but uh your actually looking pretty interesting this year
0: yeah one team to watch out for before we move on is the hammers uh of course first competition in europe last year winning the conference conference league mm-hmm. moving into europa league so just keep an eye out for them of course having a strong start in the premier league this season as well how far can david moyes take that squad we'll see but daniel one of our favorite segments here that we've done the last three weeks is our best 11 and I want to get into that we've had quite a back-and-forth on who we should play we our formation that we're gonna choose things of that nature so I think we, we deserve to give the people the formation that we have decided on first mm-hmm. and then we can jump into our players so Not good with me um, we talked a little bit about a 3-5-2 um, but we've, we've focused and leaned on a 3-4-3 uh, our thought here was while it's nice to understand and, and look at players holistically, we're not gonna be able to watch every single game. Yeah. Um, so we, we're looking at more of the statistics and things that we can find. If someone stands out, it's just like a player that you cannot have even though they don't score or give an assist. Um, but I thought 3-4-3 three, three was our best formation that gives us a little more power up front.
1: Yeah, we in obviously less at the back as well. So I mean, center backs can have clean sheets and score goals, but we really like to focus on the midfielders and the attackers more. Um, so starting out we got Hatafe's goalie we kinda of brushed on this earlier. Soria he he, he made ten, 10 saves, saves against Madrid 10. and he also had help, help from the post and the crossbar multiple times. So I mean he even though that he got two goals scored against him, he, he still had a pretty pretty solid performance there. Uh, going with the three in the back. He's been on here multiple times already, but Frempong, Leverkusen, right wing back, two assists. Just absolutely running, endlessly up and down that right side of the field. He is not going to be at Leverkusen for long, Matt. Um, Singo, center back, Monaco. I think he's 22 years old, very very young. Kept a clean sheet, and he scored a goal off the corner. So I mean that's a pretty good day for a center back there. And and then uh, we have Brooks, John Brooks. John, wait, I'm, I'm blanking here blank here, Matt.
0: Is he is he really John Brooks? Is it the John Brooks from the U.S. men's national team that is
1: didn't on even, this? Doesn't even get mentioned when players to watch in Europe. The most disrespectful thing, him and Greg have beef. I forgot, I, I didn't forget, but they forgot he existed, and he is still chugging along, starting center back for Hoffenheim. Yes, okay, thank you. Now, I, I want you to take over for this midfield here.
0: Yeah, an interesting midfield like you mentioned earlier. Joshua Kimmich with his two assists, so he gets the nod in the center of the park. Of course, Rice, baby Rice, uh, Declan Rice with the game-winning goal against United gets that other center midfield position for us. Your boy Sabasai, just so on the left, so good. The eight, is so going to be the next EVG? He could be, so. could be. <laughs> nice goal to start us, start you guys off yesterday. And then, of course, we mentioned him before as a young player to watch, but he's just been fantastic for RB Leipzig. Javi Simmons, a goal and assist, really kind of putting the team on his back. So uh, that's our midfield there. Uh, So many choices to choose from in the forward position. Hat-tricks, braces, all over the place. Uh, Daniel, take us home. All right,
1: so first striker, he's been on this list before, Boniface or Boniface for Leverkusen. He had two goals um, and a very convincing 5 5-1 5-1 drubbing of Darmstadt um, next is human son a hat trick for, for big Ange. she's he's gonna be really really good this year and I'm sure we'll see his name on this list in uh, weeks in the future and last but not least Benjamin Sesco kind of got uh he's been trying to fight for his spot over Timo Werner Yusuf of they got, they got a lot of guys up top. Openda, a lot of depth, depth up there. And he came from Salzburg, the other conglomerate of the Red Bull group, and he was a stud last year for Salzburg, and he came off the bench and within 20 minutes had a brace.
0: You mentioned uh, earlier Evan Ferguson, who's uh, had a hat trick. We'll get to him in a second, um, just so everyone understands. We are trying to have a different roster Um in our best 11 as opposed to player of the week and young player of the week, there are times when sometimes it, it might not be the case where we can find somebody else. Um, this was one of those weeks where we thought there was so many choices um, that we wanted to put Sesco in. Uh, you mentioned his brace. Lucky got the first one. There were two guys wide open on that back post, but uh, he took the chance, got the goal, got the second one later on. Um, you know, There was other, also another player that got a hat trick that's not on this list here, Daniel. I think uh, you know you put him as your player of the week though this week. Yep.
1: So, um, Holland, he, we talked about last week, he was frustrated. He scored a goal, but he, he missed chances. He missed the penalty. Well, he got a penalty this week and he did not make the same mistake last time. Buried it three goals and an assist. Very convincing kind of carried. I mean, they were kind of struggling against Fulham to start out and he kind of just willed them to victory. I mean, I also had him as the captain of my fantasy team with a nice 40 burger for me. So shout out to Shout out to Holland on that. Now, who is your player of the week? I'm sure you can guess. So,
0: if you haven't heard or listened and can't guess at this point, he might be penciled in here for the rest of the season. Uh, put on your cape, Jude Bellingham, and take a bow. Jude Bellingham, player of the week. What can I say? Uh, Daniel, I don't know. If, I don't. I don't think words really are needed here. Um, enough said. Young player of the week for you.
1: My young player of the week is a guy who hasn't been on this list, but he's been at the heart of everything Leverkusen has done. Florian Vertz. Kind of had a long-term injury layoff, and this is his season. He got the number 10 shirt. It's not looking heavy at all. He uh, created three, three chances, which is a pretty good day for a number 10. And he also has a goal and two assists to his name to start out the season. This guy is going to be key for Leverkusen to go far in the Bundesliga and Europa League. And him and Boniface's link-up is very natural. And those, are, that is going to be a scary duo.
0: Yeah, it will be scary. And you mentioned both of them being young players. Um, that that roster is just fantastic for Leverkusen. Can they keep it going? That'll be the interesting one for me. Young player of the week, standout, hat trick, Evan Ferguson. Yep. Um, we touched on it earlier. Will he play for Ireland? We'll see. Will he stay at Brighton at least for this window, of course, since it's closed? He will be there. Um, will he be there longer than that? Who knows? But uh, you get a hat trick at 18 years old. Not uh, too you're, you're going in there for me.
1: I don't know what you were doing at 18 years old, but I wasn't scoring, scoring hat tricks against
0: Newcastle. That's for sure. Uh, Daniel, before we get into this next section, um, just want to touch on there are these are r 11. We'd love to hear your thoughts on them. Uh, we'd love to hear if you have players that you would replace. Would you change the formation? Uh, this was just what we picked, and there's so many players out there across all of Europe. This, you know, we do the best that we can to watch as much as we can and get some insight into everybody. But um, let us know. Uh, drop a comment in the in the chat um, or in our Twitter handles if you feel differently about these guys. But um, this was who we picked, and uh, they change and they evolve every week. But um, one thing that doesn't change and doesn't evolve is your betting, uh, Daniel. And you had a strong week in week two. Uh, how is week three? It's, I mean,
1: guys, we we went up a unit last week, and I was feeling pretty good about myself now. Unfortunately, the, the best bets went two and two. We didn't lose hey, money. 50-50. 50-50, that's not, that's not a bad number here, but you know what was the big hit was my parlay of the week. A five-leg, had some pretty even money lines in terms of, of odds-wise, I mean, was, we were asking ourselves, was West Ham going to get it done? Was Spurs going to get it done? Well, they did. 6-1 to one parlay, up 7 units so far from the betting corner. I mean, guys, all I can just do is give out winners. It's up for you to take. So, I mean, come come make money with me.
0: Well, there won't be any winners this week to no. make. Um, international break is upon us, Daniel. Uh, we will be potentially covering some of that. Uh, but for now, no bets this week. More just a recap for you. Again, like I mentioned, TBD on if we will have an episode next week. I would like to cover your international break, but it's not really – there's no qualifying this one. It's more of just some friendly games. So um, we'll, we'll assess and let you know. We'll definitely post that on, on Twitter and anywhere else you can find us. Um, in the meantime, like I mentioned before, please drop us a line. You can find me at Life of Ben Gesson. You can find Daniel at Liverpool CLTFC on Twitter. Um, until then, please download, like, subscribe, and let us know what you're feeling. And we will catch you next time.
1: Thank you, guys.